Okay, hello, welcome to episode 192 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be going over two other prospects that will be trade down uh, candidates. I highly doubt the Kings are going to draft them at number four. And then afterwards, we'll talk about, you know, what's been happening with the Kings. And then uh, the playoff updates of May 29th. And I did say we, so that means that Fong is indeed here. So say hello, Fong. Hello. Okay. All right. So we have two guys that we're going to go over. Uh, it's going to be Johnny Davis and Benedict Matherin. Uh, both players are more wingy players. Johnny Davis is listed as a guard, but he's 6'5", uh, so he can play the wing a little bit, and he seems versatile enough. So uh, let's start with Johnny Davis. Uh, what, what is your first and like? What was your first impression of him? Uh, well, they talked really pretty highly about his defensive ability. Uh, kind of, well, they didn't describe him like Davion, but he has his own like defensive. Uh, I guess scheme you could say for himself. I, I what I put down as as his off or as his defense is that he takes pride on that end. You know, he's a good defender, good technique, but he also just guards the hell out of the other team. Like I just watched Jimmy Butler like play. We'll get into him a little bit later, but kind of reminds me of like the Jimmy Butler um, spirit in that he's he's the fulcrum of the Wisconsin offense and he's out there guarding the shit out of the other out of the other team yeah at 6-5 with a 6-9 wingspan I mean that's a pretty good size for defending the first three positions too yeah so like you know I don't know how this like ultimately fits you're gonna need to trade somebody if you're the Kings to get him in but like you pair him with Davion that's a really nasty uh, defensive backcourt Mm-hmm. And we'll probably talk about his uh, offense too, because I don't know, his offense is kind of has some highs and has some or some lows that I didn't like. Um, we'll we'll, fi- we'll just finish up on this about his defense. Like he he's great at guarding screens. He's not just an on ball guy. Like he's one of those guys that really like fights around screens. And he's a great uh, off ball defender as well. Like good instincts. Like re- really good help defender. Like and he rotates and like you know it's like gets in the passing lanes. He's going to be good on defense. I think no matter what. Oh yeah. Um. Well, if we do draft him, I mean. What do you think? Will we be playing him off the bench, or are we actually going to start him? How many guards do we have? I know. We have way too many. So, yeah, he's coming off the bench, which that's going to be... I'm not, not that that's going to be tricky. Like, my dream lineup, like, my Twitter geek lineup, like, I would have him play with Davion just to really, like, lock it on defense. And granted, like, the shot creation there might be a little questionable, but, like... I just I just want to see that lineup and like just him lock up the other team backward basically. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll have to see because I mean if he's coming off the bench, most likely the other team starters are going to be coming off and they'll just be guarding a bunch of bench players in my mind. But I guess we'll see how it you know flip flops in between. Uh, I, I mean it doesn't have to be that way. Like it, he can like you know come in like early it, off the bench like. You know, mm-hmm. like like the Justin Holiday um, 
like Justin Holly like played what five minutes in the first and then maybe five minutes in the in the third. So mm-hmm. like it, it doesn't really matter who starts and who comes off the bench. He's gonna be guarding like guys. And you know, he might even like close even like this is all assuming like the kings don't make extra moves we're just like assuming that you know um we're just gonna come back with the with the uh what's it called with the team that we had this year we don't know what team they're gonna have you know after the draft and after free agency but assuming that you know it's the same roster um like i can see johnny davis fitting it since he is a little bigger like he could go he might be able to guard up to threes like guard some wings like you know this team needs some size and you probably want more but he's not exactly like tiny yeah he's he's in that like i guess purgatory size (laughs) i guess but in a good way yeah in a good way uh i mean he's definitely not davion's height and he's not definitely like how tall is Harrison Barnes? Like six seven? Six eight. Six eight. So yeah, he's he's really in, straight in the middle. I mean, the Kings just need some size, and if you're gonna have like a backcourt that's you know that you know if you, he's he's a guy that can fit in in the backcourt, no, you know wherever that is. Like you know you need some size, and he's not exactly tiny, is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, move on to his offense, which is good, but it's not like elite. And we'll, we'll get into it, but you know, the main thing is he's a very, very physical driver. That's what stuck out to me. Like he embraces contact. Mm-hmm. And he can finish with his left hand. And according to uh, what you call who analytics, he's probably the best in class to finish with his offhand. I believe he's uh, right-handed, right? He is right-handed. Uh, okay. I mean, the offhand finish is, is whatever to me, but like it's, he just like embraces contact you know it's just a very strong body basically what i'm like he reminds me so much of jimmy butler in terms of just the toughness and like just the just like bullying guys essentially but the the issue with with his driving is that he's not very quick or explosive so like he kind of has to rely on being extremely physical but if he gets an angle like on on someone like it's over Mm -hmm. yeah some of those clips would seem pretty nice. Hmm. Um, overall, I would say he's a like he relies a lot on the mid range and a lot of ISOs, and he does a little bit of pick and roll too. But I I tend to believe he's a pretty good creator in the mid range. Like he can create and then also like make some really really tough shots. Like I'm not sure like how that's gonna fit in at the NBA level, especially in his rookie year. But like I think it's gonna be a thing with him being able to create the mid range. Mm, yeah, his mid range looks nice, but yeah, that I don't know. In terms of spacing, we'll have to see in the NBA because I feel like uh, some guys can really walk down. But against you know, I guess non defensive guys in the other team, it should be fine. And like, let's just say if you only have another guard with him in the backcourt, let's just say you're not running a three-bar lineup. Um, let's assume like maybe he plays next to De'Aaron. Like, you know, most backcourts aren't that aren't big enough to probably handle him. I don't think. Like, you know, hopefully he can abuse those matchups. And like, if he is coming off the bench, you're going up against like subs, and yeah. you can and you can probably find a mismatch there. Oh yeah, for sure. 
Um, I, I, I wrote down he's a pretty good pick and roll player. He's not elite by any means, but it is part of his skill set. He's a decent passer. Hoop Intellect says he's probably a much better passer than his, I think, 2.8 assists would like, you know, indicate. Like he was, he was asked to be the primary like score on the team. Like he was out there to get buckets and he wasn't worried about getting assists or like anything else. And yeah, like, I just think. I think I think it's gonna be an interesting thing going forward. Uh, his passing, and you know, like he he could be, like he's not good enough to be a primary um, initiator or an actual point guard, but like he can run the second unit for a bit, or just you know function off as kind of the off guard essentially. Yeah, with our lineups, I feel like yeah, he he's just gonna be there in my opinion. Maybe maybe in a corner or maybe on top where he could, uh, you know, make some plays off in the mid-range. Yeah. Um, and we say mid-range because, like, not really a three-point shooter in college. Again, he was asked to be the primary creator and primary just scorer on the team. So, like, he really didn't get, like, a lot of opportunities that just straight spot up and just, you know, get open, uncontested looks created by other teammates. So he ended up taking a lot of contested shots, and, like, his percentage was not good. I think he shot 31% from three. But like the mechanics to me look good, and I think he will be a decent enough shooter, and he can work on it. Maybe even get it to like the the high 30s at least. I feel, but but yeah, I think there's a lot of potential with his three point shooting. Yeah, since he's not you know the primary ball handler, I'm pretty sure we'll be able to set up a lot of shots for him. And yeah, he he does look like he does have a, a good uh, jump shot. Yeah, and his free throw percentage is good. He shot well on catch and shoots, and you know when he wasn't guarded, he shot a pretty good percentage. Like I think, I think he's gonna be a shooter. Maybe not like a knockdown, knockdown shooter, but like I, he's gonna be able to put get put the ball like in the bucket. Is yeah. how I see him. Um, his handle overall still needs a little bit of work. It's functional enough, but when he gets into tight spaces and into traffic, it's tricky for him. He's not good enough. His handle isn't tricky enough to actually get around like those people or like when in tight spots is what I'm trying to say. So, you know, he's going to need to work on the handle. But as a secondary ball handler, it's probably not going to be an issue like in his rookie year. He's going to have to improve, but it's not like it's not like he can't put the ball on the ground at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you said, I mean, he's probably just going to be just off somewhere, uh, just uh getting ready to you know make some catch and shoot plays overall i absolutely love johnny davis i think he'd be great if you could like he i wouldn't get him at four he's not that type of like player like no. you need someone probably with higher upside but like i love the defense I, i'm intrigued by the offense i don't love the offense but everything to, there's no indication to me at least nothing that sticks out to me that said he's not going to be a good uh like nba offensive player like he's gonna be good he's just not like you know number four good and he is going to be a guy that you know if the kings do trade back like i don't know the number uh but like they do trade back and he's on the board he would probably be one of my like highest picks i might honestly i might take him over aj griffin mm. like, is, is how high i see it oh wow okay well, I guess depending on what trades we do, if we do it, um, yeah, I, I would say he's definitely a pretty solid, uh, you know, guy off the bench, and uh, I definitely could see uh, us utilizing his defense a lot. Um, other than that, uh, 
yeah, I, I want to say he could be that good free and D player, but we'll see to the extent when he comes, I guess. Like I tend to like even look past the three. Like three and D seems like a limiting, a very limiting term to me. Yeah. Like to me, sure, there are three and D players. You can find those guys for the most part, like you know, in free agency. But the most valuable skill in the NBA is the ability to create a shot. And Johnny Davis has that skill and needs a little bit of work, but that is, I think, more valuable and harder to find in the NBA. And, you know, the Kings, they have two guys that create that can really create shots. And that's, you know, uh, De'Aaron Fox and Damanis Sabonis. And they need guys that can create shots. And I think Johnny Davis would just fit. I think he would fit right in, honestly. I think he would find his groove pretty quickly. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. I guess uh, we'll see if uh, Monty decides he does trade down. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about another trade down guy, um, Benedict Matherin. Now, you had said that they are kind of polar opposites in a way. Um, can you elaborate on that first? Yeah, well, this guy is like, I guess you could say best in class in three point shooting, and his defense is just utter garbage. <laughs> so. Uh, other than that, I mean, they have pretty. Oh, same with his what you would call athleticism. He's more explosive than uh, what you would call it, uh, Johnny Davis. And you know, Johnny Davis, of course, like you said, utilizes his physical ability more. So yeah, it's, like I said, it's he's kind of like polar opposite from what Johnny Davis would have been. You want to start with his offense or his defense? Let's start with his offense. <laughs> Uh, to, you know, kick it off in a good way. Uh, his three-point shooting, uh, he shot 36.9% on 6.1 <laughs> attempts a game. That's pretty high. That's very uh, good. Yeah. That's yeah. very good. Yeah, I, I forgot to mention he's 6'6", so, you know, an inch taller than Johnny with the uh, same wingspan size of 6'9". Uh, very, very high and smooth release. And by high, I mean, he jumps when he uh shoots his threes and when i was watching i was like that's probably one of the highest three-point shooters i've ever seen in terms of jumping for his shot i i didn't really even notice that i just i all i wrote down was that he has a pretty jumper and mm-hmm. you know like he, he can shoot like that that's a thing he's a crazy crazy explosive athlete like if he gets like a step like he can go for some crazy dunks at some really, really strong finishes. Um, the issue with him is that he he's not really a creator, but like as a play finisher, I think he's going to be terrific. Like he has a good feel as a cutter. He he has a good feel for like finding the open spot. But like, and you know, he can also like be kind of a connecting tissue passer, if you will. Like, you know, just a guy that you know, if there's an opening, he and he can take advantage and like find the open man and you know the offense can flow from there he's going to be a really intriguing off-ball player yeah he's pretty underrated on uh, that end and i mean if, if it weren't for his defense i i would be surprised if he would have been top 10. i mean he is going to be top 10 that, that's not that, that's not an issue but like you know, he he's a he's gonna be a bit of a project, I feel, because he as I meant I don't know if I mentioned he doesn't have much of an in-between game. He's more about, you know, he's either shooting a three or he's going up for an explosive dunk. Anything in between, it's gonna be very shaky to say the mm-hmm. least. 
but like again like he doesn't need to worry about that just yet he has you know he, we have create enough creators on this team to be able to create for him that you know it's not going to be an issue but like as of now not much of an in-between game but he can finish and he can shoot so and the kings need all the shooting and all the finishing that they need or that they can find yeah it kind of reminds me of what in my opinion metu in a way could be I mean, I'm going to say Betu is probably a lot better defender than Benedict as of right now. So uh, I guess we'll see. He does have some strides um, in terms of defensive ability. It's just, it's just his, uh, not work ethic, but his, he just disengages too much. Remember how I said Johnny Davis takes pride on defense? <laughs> this man doesn't have any pride. He, you know what? He fit right on on the Kings with, with how he plays defense because let, let's get to his defense. He's very lazy on that end, to say the least. He's staring at the ball for, for the most part when he's off ball and has honestly some pretty bad awareness. Like, it is bad. Like, and then on, you know, on ball is not exactly any better. Doesn't have, like, crazy good lateral quickness. He has decent lateral quickness. But again, it's just, just the effort isn't really there. Yeah, I mean, if he actually does try, I really want to see how, I guess, quote unquote, good his defense is because, my God, he he loses his guy pretty easily, especially in pick and rolls. Yeah, and that's going to be an issue because, you know, teams are going to target him if he doesn't, like, you know, improve upon that. And again, he dies on screens. Like, he just gets completely picked off and then it leads to an easy shot. Again, a lot of this issue is with just like effort. And, you know, who knows? Like, he could be end up being a good defender on, at the next level. Like, Jaden McDaniels, like, if anyone ever said like he was going to be a good defender, you're a, you must have a crystal ball. Like, there, it's sometimes college isn't the end all be all. But, like, man, the college tape is not good on defense at all. No, it looks, yeah, garbage. <laughs> but, you know, we'll, we'll, we don't know if it will trans, something will just change, a light bulb will just light up um, once he gets to the pros. But, you know, as of now, like, I'm, I'm, I love Johnny Davis. Matt, Matherin, I'm, I, I would like, but again, these, are, these guys are trade down candidates. And, you know, Matherin would probably be the better fit because, you know, you need, you need three and D guys. But as I mentioned, you, you just need good ball players, like, mm-hmm. and you just need like better like creators and guys that you know like are winners and take pride um, on defense and you know make winning plays and just have the winning attitude. And you know, Matherin doesn't really come off to me as that guy. And you know, it's unfortunate to say, but like I just he would fit very well in the Kings. You know, another guy that doesn't take any pride on defense. And just kind of <laughs> floats around, on, floats around on that end. But like Johnny Davis is a guy that the Kings need. Like he he's from the Davion mold in that he's a guy again that's again takes pride on that end and will just compete and compete and compete and find ways to affect the game. Like he would be a great culture fit, if you will, or like a culture changer type. Yeah, I'm pretty high on Johnny as well, uh, Benedict. I definitely could see maybe in a year or two. Uh, yeah, his it's just his defense. That's all. <laughs> Besides his three-point shooting, I, I mean, he has to have something else, in my opinion, to make me uh, want to draft him. 
Yeah, and you know there are other options in the dra- in the draft. Like we'll probably we'll try and look deeper into this, but as it stands right now, I love Johnny Davis. I know it's another again guard, but again six five is not exactly like little little. So mm-hmm. like you know it could, I think I think Johnny Davis would be a would be a great would be a great pick. Benedict Matherin also a good pick, but none of these guys are number four material. So these guys would definitely be trade back candidates. Oh yeah. Now we've talked about the prospects and the draft. Let's uh, move on to um, other news, or specifically Kings news in the playoffs. Okay, so there's been stuff that's happened uh, since the last episode. I meant to go over this last time, but we I don't remember seeing too many details about this, but uh, the Kings have hired Luke Locke? 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 L-O-U-C-K, uh, basically. Uh, the king, basically, he's going to be an assistant coach under Mike Brown. Um, there's not a lot about him other than the fact that he joined the Warriors as an intern in 2016 and worked for the Santa Cruz Warriors. Or, yeah, he joined as an intern for the San- Santa Cruz Warriors. He moved up to, I guess, the main roster uh, in 2017 as a player development coach. And the last thing he did before joining this um joining us now the kings now is he was an assistant under mike brown for the nigerian team in the tokyo olympics Mm, okay uh i guess uh, mike brown is trying to hire a lot of guys that he's comfortable comfortable with working with uh i'm just uh, hoping that some of the guys our guys still stay and hopefully can work with mike brown yeah um I mean, I guess it's a good thing that, you know, Mike Brown is hiring like his people because like, you know, the Kings the past few years have had guys that um, Luke uh, just wasn't that comfortable with. Although like, you know, he had a relationship with Alvin Gentry, but before that it was kind of a mess because it was a bunch of people that hadn't worked with each other. And you do need a bit, you do need synergy amongst your uh, entire coaching staff. So, you know, it's good that, you know, Mike Brown is hiring like people that he's comfortable with and yeah again as you said like hopefully some of the guys get to stay it's been it's not been reported but it's heavily like you know I guess indicated that uh Doug Christie is likely staying so that's a good thing mm-hmm. um and we'll just see how things play out like I do hope like Rico Hines and Lindsay Harding um stay stay around but I mean it, things haven't worked in the past few years and maybe it is time for a change. Yeah, most likely the case. And uh, I mean, as of right now, I'm probably all in for it in terms of, uh, you know, having Mike Brown be comfortable with who he works for and, you know, how he works. So we'll see how it goes, I guess. Um, Another thing uh, Kings related is that uh, Monty and Vivek um they attended the caa pro day workout uh there were other workouts too but i want to go over this one first because the caa workout included Jaden ivy and aj griffin and for those of you that don't know caa is a talent eight or is an agent representation uh company and uh, they represent a lot of uh nba players and also like you know media personalities i know like woge is actually represented by caa and zion is represented by caa as well so yep they these guys picked a they picked a i guess a good agency to you know represent them 
Mm, okay. Well, we'll see if uh, Monty, you know, likes these guys, I guess. Well, uh, Jaden Ivey and AJ Griffin were at this workout. So Vivek and Monty was, uh, at the, was at the workout. So that's actually notable because Vivek was only spotted at this specific workout. The other workouts that... Um, that you know the king's front office and specifically monty were spotted at was uh, at benedict matherin's workout i forgot to write down who he who represents him um but also they attended a keegan murray's pro day workout last week as well mm. oh okay i mean there's a lot of choices so i guess they have to pick and choose uh wait so you mentioned that this was the only workout that vivek uh went to yes the one that included Shane and ivy and aj griffin yes oh okay i mean as long as monty is the one you know doing the work or whatnot i mean i'm fine with it because no meddling <laughs> please no meddling look jet so james ham has put this like out there it's not exactly out of the ordinary like for a for an owner to like just at least see what's going on and you mentioned meddling like if you if he is gonna meddle, at least have him like take a look at, at the things, at least have the knowledge, um, if you will, to actually mm-hmm. like, you know, put he's gonna be a voice in the room, is the way that James Ham described it. So you might as well ha- at least have him be an educated voice in the room. Okay, yeah, I see what you mean. Okay, well, we'll see, I guess. Uh, also, uh, some other intel. Kings did interview uh, Shane Sharp at the Combine and attended his pro day in Chicago. I think that was a few weeks ago. So, yeah, um, they basically are doing their homework, to say the least. They are. They look like they're going to explore all options. So that's why I think it's actually, you know, helpful to go up, go, you know, analyze, you know, other prospects as well. And because it looks like the Kings are really going to explore their choices in terms of who they're going to draft and likely going to trade down. Mm. Oh, is that what the news is? Likely to trade down? It's rumors. Like, mm. it, ultimately does, it ultimately might mean nothing. Um, but, like, they're, it's the main thing I would, I would say that I've heard is that they are going to explore options. Yeah. I mean, the options are, like, pretty limitless at this point. I mean, we could trade up, we could trade down, we could stay. I mean, there's, I mean, there's so many choices that I, I can't believe that these guys are like able to just go around like this and, uh, you know, <laughs> do this, their homework like this, I guess. Yeah, I, I do remember like James Ham and the Sean Cunningham talking, basically kind of ripping like the more, the less connected media, if you will, the, the aggregators. Um, basically, like during that dead period where, uh, d- like right before the trade deadline, before the Sabonis trade, it was very quiet on the Kings' end. And basically, a lot of like, you know, a lot of, again, a lot of the people that weren't as connected were just kind of complaining, what the hell is Monty and the front office doing? Well, what they were doing is that they were planning out a lot of moves. They were doing mm-hmm. a lot of work to try and like do all their research and like make calls. And, yeah the job is not easy and you have to put in a lot of work and yeah they had to like travel from chicago to socal to like all these other places just to see these workouts it's a lot of work and yeah it's going to be pretty annoying when you know you inevitably hear some idiot for the most part saying oh what what is the front office doing 
a, a lot of stuff behind the scenes that you don't that you don't understand. So shh, be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> don't talk. Don't talk. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but there, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and it's good to see that Monty is putting the work in, and you know mm-hmm. the rest of the front office. Yeah, it's great to hear. Okay, that's all I have uh, for the Kings. Let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about the uh, the playoffs. So um, the Warriors advance to the finals. They beat Luca in five. They beat Luca in the Mavs in five games. And yeah, I was expecting a, a little bit more of a competitive series. And you know, in an alternate universe, it could have been like you know they don't collapse in game two. They might have been you know a, you know a five game a six game series, possibly a seven game series, but. As it stands in this universe, uh, the the king or the warriors kind of easily, not easily, but they very handily kind of just, you know, put away the maps. Yeah, pretty interesting series. Uh, to be honest, I mean, if we could have had a little more help in terms of offense, I think there would be a slight chance. But I mean, who are we kidding? The warriors are quite ridiculously good in terms of uh, you know playoff experience and you know congrats to them on making the finals again uh, Steph Curry wins the Magic Johnson Western Conference Finals or yeah Western Conference Finals MVP apparently that's a new thing now uh, yeah I thought, I thought that was a bit weird but uh, let's I want to talk a little bit about Andrew Wiggins so let, let, let's get this out of the way first the dunk was amazing the fact that that was called an offensive foul is hilarious and absolutely terrible. Mark Davis should not be able to work another game after that garbage. And my favorite thing is that is the reaction. Like Luca was just like, "Oh my god, he hit me in the face. It, it hurts so much. I can't get up." It's just, oh my god, it made, it made that dunk that much better. But the resurgence of of Andrew Wiggins, he led the entire. He, I think, he led everyone. Well, he let the Warriors for sure in rebounding this series. And I remember a criticism of him back in the day was that, you know, he's 6'7", he's athletic. Why can't this fucker get some rebounds? Well, apparently he seemed to have listened. Somebody definitely told him that. And now he's out there just crashing the boards and leading the team in the series uh, for rebounds now. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I mean, I guess anyone who comes to Warriors just has a big resurgence uh kind of makes me wonder if uh you know what happens if bagley went to a warriors <laughs> nah he wouldn't play that's what <laughs> that's what would happen but no like the thing is so is it really a resurgence because he's always been good for the most part like there's always been whispers of like oh he he gets amped up like when it's a big game it's just that it doesn't come there aren't that many big games when you're on the timberwolves and a lot of his stats let's be honest were pretty empty it's just that I think like the Warriors just they have a great system. They have like, you know, players who kind of got who kind of take the players under their wing. They have a great coaching staff and they're able to kind of put these guys in positions to be winners. And it looks like just Andrew Wiggins has embraced it. And now he's just he's a very he's went from basically not even he wasn't a bust. He was just not a he was just didn't live up to expectations. He went from that to, you know, a contributing player, a crucial player in, you know, what's been, what's now a finals team. So congratulations to him. Yeah. 
and I bet also uh, Draymond has a lot to say to Andrew Wiggins if uh, you know things get screwed up. And yeah, I again, you, you just put this in my head. If Bagley was on the was on the Warriors, well, they wouldn't. Pl- they just wouldn't play him because they don't play Belly. And yeah, Belly is true. Belly is arguably a much let's be honest, a much more effective player than what Bagley can do. Bagley, Bagley has some athleticism, but it's, that's not what the Warriors need. They need defense. They need, you know, they need shooting. They need the ability to pass. And Bagley really doesn't provide any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> if he does play, I mean, Draymond probably has a big mouth for him. Yeah, and they probably even honestly have a better version of him that hasn't played in, you know, James Wiseman, like <laughs> that's the sad part. But like it's it's kind of uh, yeah. Um, I think I think again, if this just shows the Warriors like the, their co- the ability of their coaching staff, the ability of their Warriors or their Warriors, their players to kind of like be able to, you know, the, the basically they're so good that you can plug guys in and have them play a role. Like how however, like. But they uh, uh, okay. Let me put it this way: they just they just put they just put guys in positions to succeed, and they've done a great job. And kudos to them. And they deserve to make a to make you know the finals. I will say it's very very unfair that they have these young guys coming up. Like in game four, the game that they ultimately lost, uh, I think they managed to like trim a twenty six point lead to eight point lead, and they did it with their young guys. Like it's just not fair that you have a championship core in Draymond, uh, Steph, and Clay, but also have these young guys coming up in Jordan Poole, in uh, Jonathan Kaminga, uh, Moses Moody, and James Wiseman when he comes back. The fact that you can play these guys in the playoffs to have them get valuable, valuable playoff experience, and and while you're you know g- competing for a championship. You're not supposed to be able to do do both, and it's just not fair. But they're the Warriors, and yeah, things have just kind of broken their way, despite the fact that some people have said they've kind of blew the second pick in a way. Yeah, I mean, hey, they're here where they are right now, and they're gonna continue this way because, dear God, I, yeah, they're just gonna cr- keep on creating dynasties at this point. Well, we'll see if they're. We'll see, like, if you know the Jordan Poole situation. He's a, he's due for an extension, so we'll see how mm, that plays out. I um, see. But you know, like, I imagine they will pay it. Um, they will pay the luxury tax for him. He's a guy worth keeping around. Uh, but yeah, like this dynasty is going to continue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's you know credit to them for you know being able to completely right the ship. Remember, they were they were at, at the Kings' level at one point. And they managed to right the ship, and the Kings still kind of where they are. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's finish up on this. Uh, so the Heat were able to push the Celtics to a Game 7. Uh, that Game 7 has now ended. Uh, the Celtics advanced to the NBA Finals. Um, and I, let, let, let's let's start here. I want to just talk about the Heat real quick. Like, the Heat, they, just, they have some tough, tough players who, you know, are just, you know, experienced late. Like they have, they have battle scars and Jim, and they're led by a absolute motherfucking beast of a man in Jimmy Butler, who, you know, in game, in game six, I think had 47, eight and nine or eight and seven, like just absolutely backpack the team. So like, and you know, 
It's basically, they had no business winning that game. And he was able to backpack them to a win. And that he just about backpacked them to a, to a win in game seven. But they ultimately fall short. Uh, Jimmy misses a go-ahead three um, at the end of the game, where honestly, I thought it was a good shot. Like Al Horford is, you know, backing up. And granted, like, you know, Jimmy Butler's not a great three-point shooter, but in that, in that situation, you know, you're down two. Why not go for the win? You become an absolute Miami legend if you make that shot. But unfortunately, it doesn't go down, and the Celtics advance uh, to the NBA Finals. So congratulations to the Celtics for, you know, who were a very mediocre team, uh, like by and was it all like at the beginning of the new year? But they were able to right the ship. So congratulations to them. Yeah, congrats to them. I still want Miami to win, but some of the games I wish that you know Jimmy got help, even though you know Jimmy didn't play too well in games four and five, I believe. Uh, other than that, we'll have to see. I guess I have high hopes that Miami will come back. And, you know, I'm hoping that they'll make the finals next year. I don't see that happening at all because I they're kind of stuck in terms of their, like, salary situation. Like, they, they spend a lot of resources on Kyle Lowry, who was not healthy this, this you know, this playoff run, but... You know, he's not getting any younger and it gets to a certain point where you might just, you know, guys start to kind of break down and this might be just how it is. Like they can't really sign any other free agents. They might be able to, you never know, but it's going to be tricky. And, you know, with my, with Milwaukee coming back next year, fully healthy with, uh, with Chris Middleton, like, I don't see it. And like, this was a slog of a series, like, People talk about the coaching of Eric Spolstra. Sure, he he might be the best coach in the NBA, but that just shows you how little coaching seems to matter sometimes because their offense was garbage. <laughs> their defense was fine for the most part, but their offense was garbage. Yeah, also credit to the Celtics defense. I mean, they stopped them at the paint uh, quite a few times, I'd say. Uh, other than that, yeah. I mean, I, w- <laughs> I wish there was more offense throughout the rest of the team besides Jimmy. Uh, out of bio, I mean, he's he did pretty well. Other than that, I mean, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where they go go on from here. Are they going to give Jimmy Butler the extension? I honestly, after this series, they owe him the extension. That motherfucker played forty eight full minutes of this game. Didn't rest a single mm-hmm. minute. Like oh, that, yeah. he he's built different. Like I love Jimmy Butler. You know, again, the, like my favorite story in the bubble was the redemption of Jimmy Butler. And, you know, like some people were saying the bubble was a fluke. Yeah, not really. I mean, kind of to a certain degree, the shooting was out of this world. But like Jimmy Butler is a is just a monster. He's built different. You know, you, you if you don't know his like story, it's an incredible like his upbringing was just incredible. Like what he went through. And, you know, again, he's just built different because of that. Oh, yeah. Well, the Celtics do advance to the NBA Finals. Um, you know, they face the Warriors. Uh, I guess I got to ask you the question. Who do you have to win? Uh, I'm going to say Warriors in six. Um, you know, I'm going to go a little bit more bold. <laughs> like, this has kind of made me hate the Celtics. A little. I, I don't like the Celtics team for some reason. I just don't. And also, there's a lot of people that think the Celtics team is really good and actually might beat the Warriors. I don't. I personally don't see it at all, mm-hmm. and like it's kind of made me hate the Celtics even more.
four. So I'm just gonna say Celtics and five, or Celtics oh. and five, but Warriors Wait, and five. Sorry, Warriors oh. and five. Because well, I, was about to say. I don't. Because I I will keep I will beat this drum. They're not a very deep team beyond Jason Tatum and J and Jalen Brown. They are mm-hmm. not. It's a it's a huge uh, talent drop off, and Marcus Smart has been real has been really good so far. I just feel at some point he is going to fuck something up, and he's going to cost them quite a few cost them a few games. And like again, you look at that team. It's like if you look at that bench. Is is you know Grant Williams, who's a fine player, very limited offensive player, good defensive player, but like very limited on offense. Peyton Pritchard gets is going to get abused on offense granted the warriors don't really attack matchups like that but still i just i per, i don't i don't see it Derek white is fine for the most part but like not exactly much of a difference maker and like i just think the warriors are going to wipe the floor with them mm-hmm. oh yeah well we'll see i mean we both chose warriors winning within the seven games uh yeah i don't i don't think celtics have much of a chance they might slip away not gonna lie they might slip away a game or two but the warriors just have so much in their white bag to uh you know defeat teams like this yeah and if you're saying like well they don't well they can't guard tatum and brown we said that about luca and jalen brunson last round and we saw what happened to them you put, yeah. Dray- you put draymond on on the secondary guy you put andrew wiggins on on the best player they can they have a good enough team defense to kind of limit you and as i mentioned they don't have much depth beyond those two they really don't and it's uh. and i again people have some people have just said like oh boston's a really good team sure they have flaws though they have pretty big holes and miami just couldn't like really abuse them on offense the way i think they should have but at the same time they will get they will give the Warriors a lot of issues. I think they're. I think it's gonna be a kind of a Memphis s type of physicality with them, and that's gonna make it tricky. That's what will probably push the series to six. But I just don't think they have enough on offense to really punish the Warriors. Mm. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, that's all I have on my docket. Anything you want to go over before we end this episode? Hmm. I don't think so. At this point, it's just a waiting game in terms of other news for the Kings and, you know, the draft next month. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, I, I guess I'm excited for the finals, but it's kind of like you kind of know that it's, it's just that feeling that, you know, the Warriors are going to take the bag for this. Do, do we? I don't, I don't know. It's like... Do and like I mean like I do I get what you're saying. The Warriors have fucked around enough to make me not be completely sure they're gonna win. Like I have a winning in five, but if you ask me to put money on it, I'm not putting money on that. Mm-hmm. Like they they should have like the the Grizzlies series was a bit of an eye opener. Granted, I think this I think the Grizzlies are gonna be so good next year, but like they are they are bound to fuck around a little too much. They they get a little too cute. <laughs> No, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. So, okay. If you don't have anything else, I'm excited to actually watch the finals. Um, I'm, and yeah, as you said, the draft is coming up, and it's always fun to just kind of like, you know, just watch other teams. To be honest, because it's it's been a slog to watch the Kings this year, and it's it's it really fun to you know watch what the Kings could be 
I guess, with like the Warriors and like the Celtics and you know, I, I just I just love basketball and mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's going to be very sad once the finals do end and we're not going to have basketball for a long time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure for the past couple of seasons, I always said that there's a lot of upside for the next upcoming season. But this is like the season where I'm like, okay, this is the most upside that we've seen yet. And for yeah, the Kings? Pre- yeah, for the Kings. I would agree with you. I'm. I don't feel like I'm. I don't want to get burned again. Yeah, I know what you mean. But I mean, for the past well, that we've been talking about the Kings here. I mean, we always say next year's gonna be the year, but it just feels like there's a lot more going. Uh, in terms of news and what we know uh, from the Kings organization to know that there, there there might be something that can be built that's uh, you know more impactful than the previous seasons I like if you ever like listen to Jason Jones and uh, Sean Cunningham those guys have been around for so long that they basically had they basically had like the optimist optimist spirit like completely you know beaten out of them uh-huh. and they and they look at it from a very cynical and let's be honest a very realistic uh, point of view and i mean like i i, I want to be, i want to like agree with you i just don't know and i can't say for sure because they because I've been very optimistic the past two years I've been very excited for the past two years and like you know the Kings always the the last two years they've always teased us with good starts yeah I'm I'm waiting for Christmas I'm not waiting for like you know November or like you know late late October I'm waiting till like December to see what this team actually is I see and because I've learned my lesson like they they've let me down twice already in a, in a big way and i'm not i'm not falling for it again i i mean i'm close to it if like the kings make a big trade like maybe i'm back in but this team has taught me don't ever get too high on, on anything mm, yeah i see what you mean uh, well we'll see i mean if it's going to be a repeat of the previous two seasons, like you said, I mean, yeah, we'll, we do. We'll have to wait until Christmas to fully see the picture, I guess. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll still be a fan. It's just like I've learned my lesson. Don't don't trust. Don't trust it until it actually happens, because mm-hmm. even like go back to the Warriors, like Marcus Thompson, the guy who's covered the team, I think, for 20 plus years now, he didn't believe they were going to win the championship until they literally like, you know, won game six. You're just not going to believe it. There's a cloud over this team and it's going to take a lot to, you know, like get rid of that cloud. And, you know, it's just like just have high expectations but be be cautious about you know getting let down because as history has shown the kings are very adept at doing that mm. oh i'll keep that in mind then yeah this wasn't for you this is for the listeners you, oh. you should you should know better anyways <laughs> but, okay <laughs> and, and, yeah um yeah so be optimistic but just be careful uh, mm-hmm. with this damn team because you know, you're going to go through the emotional highs and lows, and it, it is going to be what it is. Just, you know, like, I'll still be a fan, but, you know, just 
don't get too high on it. Just find another hobby, honestly, if things go south. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, uh, if you don't have anything else, I'm going to end this episode. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be coming back to you guys uh, next time. Uh, and by the time we come back to you guys, uh, there will be probably a game that's been played in the final. So I'm excited for that. Oh, yeah. Well, other than that, I guess we'll see you guys later. <laughs>